Hey everyone, welcome to Bible and Breakfast. Uh, really excited to have Stuart McMillan with us today. Uh, Stuart is the president of Monet Global, and uh, Monet is really special to myself and our family as my wife is a, a SED with the company, and it's really done some great things for our life. And I'm really excited to to have you here with us today, Stu. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, uh, obviously, love to to talk a little bit about the Bible and. Uh, a little bit about our faith to kind of start this podcast off and was wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit about your uh, journey of faith, your story, and kind of how that, uh, why it's so important to you and how it applies to, to what you do on a daily basis. Sure. Well, it's interesting because I was actually raised in a, in a Christian home um, and, you know, attended church pretty much throughout my life, but it wasn't until I, I want to say, you know, about 10 years, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, um, that I started to realize that there's a difference between, you know, kind of going to church every day, every Sunday, and even, you know, participating in a Bible study or this and that, in really um, coming to grips with making sure that, 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 a, that a Christ-centered life was kind of... Um, more important, like that, that you lived every day as though you were going to church, um, and and that that kind of struck me. It was a, it was a process, um, you know. I, I started uh, attending a church in Toronto, Canada, uh, with a pastor named Bruxy Cavey, and Bruxy um, he's written a few books. And the thing that 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 um, Bruxy said to me that that always resonated was that really everything that we should do, I mean, should be pointing to Jesus. And that, in fact, in fact, Jesus had made it easy for us. Um, hard for him, easy for us, uh, in that he gave us something to point to. And that historically, nobody doubts, um, you know, whether Jesus existed and so, or, or many of the things that, that he did. What they doubt is oftentimes us, um, the church, the, you know, the hypocrisy of, of, of many of us. And so pointing to Jesus just uh, became something that I, they started to talk about. And, and then it further progressed, I would say, even since the time that I've been at Monate to under, to wake up in the morning <clears throat> and say that, that, I mean, we say these words as Christians, but then do we actually live them? You know, uh, we say words like, you know, everything you do should glorify and honor God. Um, we say that, but but when we you know walk out of our houses, do we actually live it? And um, I, I, I've often found Andrew that if you put a stake in the ground um, and and in front of people publicly, the, it forces you to live up to that stake. Um, and so you know when when we started Mon Eight, um, you know I just I just wanted it to become. First of all, I love, I'm super competitive. Um, I love the fact. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I love the fact that you know we took this company and from startup, and it's the number one premium hair care company in the world. That's like a woohoo for me. Like I'm competitive, um, but but I wanted it to become my ministry. I wasn't exactly sure what that would look like, and over time, you know, kind of God worked with me, and I, I, I truly feel now that I have the opportunity, I've said this a lot, to do well and do good at the same time, and, um, you know, probably three or four years ago, 
uh, when I saw the good that money was doing in people's lives, you know, God spoke to me and said, Hey, you know, this, this, this is how you can, um, you know, I, I was at, actually at a time in my life thinking of, of becoming a, a pastor and um, that never happened. And God spoke to me and said, you can be a pastor here. Um, and I think Andrew, we can all be pastors wherever we are. Uh, everybody has a circle of influence, <clears throat> some larger than others, but you can be a pastor. And what does being a pastor mean? It means showing people Jesus. It means, uh, to me, it means um, being a light. I, I use that a lot, you know, uh, keep shining, be a light, be a light to people. Um, you know, and I, I felt in 2020, people needed light more than ever before, um, you know, not just with COVID, but with some of the, you know, issues around race. And, and I just thought, you know, we at Monate, um, you know, we have 450,000 market partners. Uh, we have about 75 uh, SEDs, which is, uh, you know, what your wife is. And and if we could corral those people to to really want to have an impact on their world, uh, to really be a light. I mean, being a light is the first thing. Then we can talk about Jesus later. But what they have to see in us first is is light. They have to see love and um, you know, in, in 2020, I think the world needed a little more light and a little more love. And I think our market partners, I think we, we grew exponentially last year, like crazy, like three times. Um, and I think we grew because we had people that were just focused on having an impact and being a light. And then from that relationship, when you have that relationship with people um, horizontally, then you get the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. I, I'm always a little, I, I cringe sometimes. I, you know, when you go, I went down to, uh, to Tampa around the Super Bowl time, the night before the Super Bowl, and saw, you know, and I, I don't want to disparage them because I think they're doing what they think is right. But, you know, people shouting at people through megaphones that they're going to go to hell and, uh, you know, Jesus died for their sins. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's a message. But I believe you can't reach people unless you have a relationship with them first. And um, and so uh, so that's that's sort of been my journey. And it, it just, uh, you know, the last, last two or three years, I've 100 percent felt like uh, – my my business is my is my ministry and i think everybody yeah. Should. yeah i love that and i think it is so powerful and you you clearly do show you know that light of jesus in everything you do and everything that we see in training videos and whatnot but what are some practical ways when you talk about being a light and when you talk about loving other people building relationships what are some practical ways that you can do that on a daily basis well, I, I start, I mean, to me, everything is about discipline. Every single morning, I pray for two things. I pray for wisdom, um, to do the right things and make the right decisions. And secondly, the discipline to follow through on them. Um, you know, and uh, I pray for that every morning. And I think discipline to me, um, it, it's, a, it's sort of a nasty, it feels like a nasty word, but it really isn't. It's really about turning uh, practices, you know, it's turning a routine into a practice. And so I would say that, you know, the best thing that, that has worked in my life is putting aside, you know, for me, it's probably an hour, sometimes an hour and a half in the morning. It means I have to get up a little bit earlier, but, uh, to start my day purposefully, um, you know, kind of praying over my calendar, like looking at my calendar and praying over my calendar and uh, praying for people, um, you know, this week is our uh, CEO's birthday, uh, Ray Ordnetta. 
So I've been praying over him this week because, you know, it's a big birthday. He's turning 40 and I want him to be the best. Yeah. I want him to be the best version of himself. <clears throat> I mean, he started working out this year. He looks fantastic. Um, but I want, you know, I, I talked to him about spirit, mind and body. And, um, and so, so I start every day to me, that's the, 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 the most basic is, is start your day with God. Uh, because that will, you know, what you put in your mind will, you know, will help you through the day. And the second thing I think is, is be purposeful. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I wrote something a few weeks ago just about words. Like, I'm, you know, I enjoy words. I, I've been public speaking since I was a kid. Um, I write a fair amount. But, but, you know, with being good at words also comes the opportunity to use them in a negative way. And so um, I would say that being purposeful about your actions and, and just imagining um, every step of the way, everything you do every day that someone is watching you and, and imagine even if you're alone, that someone's watching you and is what I'm doing, uh, um, is it, is it helping the cause or is it hurting the cause? Right. Is it, if someone, if, if, if the people who follow me, if my circle of influence, whether that's five people or a thousand people, if they were doing what I'm doing, would that help or hurt? And so that, I mean, it feels burdensome, but it really isn't. It becomes a practice. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, am I, you know, just being, being super purposeful on a daily basis and breaking it down to bite size. Am I being purposeful this hour, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you talk so much about purpose. And I was thinking as you talked about Monet's growth and how it's grown so much, the people, at least in my experience um, on our team, they're, they're so hungry to grow and they're so hungry to be fed on a daily basis. But obviously as a leader, that can be, that can be a burden because how do you, how do you constantly feed people who are hungry to grow every day? Like, how do you keep raising that bar um, to give, give the, the, the food that they need? Well, it's funny. I, I do, like I said, I start, I start the day reading and uh, oftentimes um, I read something and I go, okay, I, I need to figure out how to, you know, kind of position this and, and post it. And so I, I, I will typically post at least two or three times a week, something that I've got for people don't know, but it's something I I've got for my reading or something that God's laid on my heart. <clears throat> I think it, it's a great point, Andrew. I think the best way to, to, to be purposeful every day is to be purposeful every day. Um, I mean, if I can't speak to people every day or I can't lead people every day, I can live my life every day as though I'm leading. And I think that's, that's the key. Like live your life, behave, uh, acts of kindness, whatever it is, behave as though everything you do is leading, you know? Yeah. When you're, um, you know, you mentioned reading, and you obviously glean a lot from books and things that you're picking up in the morning, but are there other certain tools that you use in order to raise the bar of leadership? Are there other people? Do you lean on people a lot or is it more from your personal no. growth that you lean on? No, it's both. Uh, people a lot. I have, um, I believe very strongly in iron sharpeners. Um, I have, uh, I have two or three, I have about five iron sharpeners. We talk, we're in a group. Uh, we hold, I think accountability is, <clears throat> is a huge piece to, to leadership and a huge piece to growth, personal growth. Um, you know, um, frankly, over the past two years, I've become really good friends with John Maxwell. 
and he holds me accountable. Um, you know, I, I talk to him on a fairly regular basis. Uh, I have a, a, a guy that, you know, m- remember I talked about 15 years ago was sort of a transition point. There was a hockey player up in Canada. I, I, I played college hockey and um, a hockey player, a pretty famous guy up in Canada. And, and I was pretty prideful. And this guy <clears throat> invited me to a Bible study. He was pretty, he's pretty famous in Canada. And, uh, and I, my, my, my wife then said, you know, you let him talk to you in a way you don't let anybody else talk to. <laughs> and maybe it was his celebrity and maybe God used him. I still talk to him. He still sends me messages. I haven't actually seen him face to face for probably nine years, but I get messages from him pretty much every other week saying, my boy, you were well praised. I think he's probably almost 80. He's like, my son, you're well prayed for this morning. You know, like he's punching me in the face. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, people, finding finding people that will uh, hold you accountable and that you hold, it's got to be mutual. You know, you can't, it, it can't be something like even John is open. John Maxwell is open to me going, hey, you know what? You're doing this this week. I'm praying for you. And and, and it, it's amazing, actually. So pe- people and reading and, of course, you know, the Bible. I'm just trying to find. I'm working my way through the Bible for the third time, so like cover to cover. So, yeah, I love that, and that that accountability aspect is is so important. And like you said, yeah. it's a two way it's a two way street because I know sometimes it's really easy. Like I I coach college basketball, so it's easy for yeah. me to hold hold players accountable and tell them what they're doing wrong, what they need to do better to encourage them. But when I'm trying to grow as a leader sometimes taking that accountability and hearing tough things is a hard thing to do, but it's a really important aspect of leadership. I've, I've learned that a lot from John. Um, I would tell you, you know, I have too many direct reports in the company. Our company's grown to almost a thousand employees. I have uh, trying to fix it, but currently about 12 direct reports. Um, and, and really, um, you know, John has helped me to see my role with those people as, is, you know, how do I serve you? And so I do end most of my conversations uh, with with the folks. I, I do one-on-ones with them throughout the week. So I, I make sure that I have one-on-one time with all 12 of them, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, but especially in a Zoom age that we have the opportunity to talk and, you know, what, what, what are you doing this week? But I always end now with, you know, how can I serve you better? You know, how can I be a better leader? What, you know, what, what can I do um, to, to, to help you. Um, you know, Tony Dungy said when he first became a coach that, uh, you know, he asked Chuck Noll, I don't know anything about being a coach. Like what, what, what do I do to be a coach? And Chuck Noll told him your sole responsibility is to make your team better. <laughs> right. And, um, and I think, you know, in, in a coaching situation and, you know, you're a humble guy, I can see you saying to your players, what, what can I do as a coach um, to, to make this work better? You know, and being open to, you know, sometimes we hear things we don't, you know, we don't want to hear. Like, you know, I struggle, for example, with being present. And so I, I'm kind of a multitasker and my mind is in, in a bunch of different places. And, you know, I've, I've been told a couple of times, but, you know, what can I do? Well, you can be present. You can put your phone down while we're talking, you know, things like that. And we have to be open to that. Right. Um, and sure. so it's kind of exciting. Definitely. No, I think that's so good. And um was thinking, you know, a lot of our listeners, like I said, are, are coaches, some, some athletes, a lot of business people. But you mentioned earlier, too, you, you know, you came to Monet several years ago and kind of have built this company and been a part of the journey so far. And, you know, this is kind of the time of year for, for basketball coaches, especially who are going to start losing their jobs. They're going to start getting new jobs and finding new programs. And oftentimes when you when you go into a new organization or a new 
uh, business, you have an expectation of what it's going to be like. And right. would you be able to talk a little bit about coming into a new business and with new people, new leadership, your expectations you had, and then just a little bit like, did it exceed your expectations and how, how if, if that makes sense, like how do you come in with expectations and then handle everything that arises afterwards? Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, obviously, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, it, it's it's really about prayer um, and, and preparing yourself uh, from a business perspective. Uh, and I don't know if this translates to coaching, but it might. Um, I would say, um, you know, in the early days, be ruthless about culture. Um, you know, be ruthless about culture. If there are if there are people, players um, that you think are um, are not going to feed the culture of, of the team, then you know, get rid of them. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it, it, it's. Um, I used to have a saying that I stole from Jim Rohn, and that was, you know, if I had a he, he said I have never once got rid of somebody, and then later said I wish I hadn't. You know, and we have to do it with a kind heart. He said, but if I had a nickel for every time I thought I should have got rid of that person earlier because they were like a cancer to the team, um, you know, he said, I'd be a lot richer than I am today. Now, I say that in a way, you know, as Christians, how do we let people go for Christians? Well, my experience, Andrew, is that over time, the I, I've done them a favor oftentimes by by letting them go and 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 you don't just let them go i i have a thing uh the three t's the last one's not a nice one it's it's terminate but the first one the first one is train train trade or terminate (laughs) and and i i want to walk them through those three things you know train them to you know try to coach them into being being better people i remember uh you know tony dungy goes to my church and you know he said you know the tampa bay buccaneers the year like he took them to the playoffs, and then the next year, John Gruden won the Super Bowl with them. But it was really his team. I mean, he had developed them, and he would tell people that character was more important than football. Now that's ballsy, right? Yeah. But when you're leading, when you're trying, when you're a professional football coach, right? Yeah. Um, but he, he, you know, he encouraged them to be better people, so he trained them. Um, you know, my other thing is I read Jim Collins. You know, who talks about you know having the right people in the right seats on the bus. Um, and even here at Mont 8, you know, we, we've had a few people, I go, I really want you to stay on the bus, but you're not in the right seat, you know? Sure. So we're, so we're going to trade you. We're going to trade you over here. So train, trade. And then, but then if all else fails, terminate. <laughs> and, and like I said, in my experience, when we wait too long to do that, we hurt the team overall and we hurt them because nobody wants to fail, <laughs> right? Nobody wants to be in a position where other people are looking at them going, wow, they're the weak link on the, you know, on the team. Or I, th- I think we do them a favor. Um, I, I think that, you know, going back to what I said earlier, if we, if we truly, and we don't just use the words, but if we truly enter into that uh, new role, that new job saying, I, I want to do this to the honor and glory of God, he'll, he'll, he'll bless that. Like if we truly say that and it's not pride, it's not like I want to succeed because I want to show people how good I am. Ah, shoot, shoot. We're like all, we're all competitive. Obviously, if you're, if you're, you know, a sports coach, you're competitive. Um, um, but we all want to win. But I think if we enter into, you know, that new role saying, you know what, this is for the glory and honor of God. And I'm going to figure out a way to win and, and show them Jesus at the same time. God honors that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's so good. I know a lot of times when, you know, as a leader, you're in business or an organization, and we oftentimes see see all the good that's happening. You know, with my Nate, we see a lot of good that happens and there's so much of it. But we also know that behind the scenes, there's a lot of things that go on, little little details or things that we have to take care of that aren't always fun or they, they could really deter uh, a business or an organization. So how how do you respond as a leader when a crisis hits or when you have a situation arise that you got to take care of um, yeah, kind that's of an, soon? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I would tell you that, you know, Ray and I, uh, try to fill each other's buckets on a regular basis because 90% of our day is fixing problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you guys don't, wouldn't see that because you know, what you see is the end result, but we don't, we don't actually celebrate enough. Like we tell each other, like we, we don't actually celebrate enough because our focus is always on fixing what's not working mm-hmm. is you know, we don't have a lot of time for what is working. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, there obviously challenges come uh, on, a, on a regular basis. I think as a leader, um, it, it's really, it's really tough because as a leader, you want to acknowledge that there are issues, right? Uh, because I think, you know, otherwise you just look like you're, you know, looking at life through a rose colored glass and it's not fair to the people that you're leading because then when they get into leadership, they go, Holy smokes. You know, I thought this was, I thought this was easy, you know? Um, So, so really, you know, acknowledging the challenges um, um, in, in, in telling people, you know, we have this challenge or this challenge and we're going to work through it. Um, But always, um, always being encouraging and uplifting. And I go back to what I said earlier about my, you know, the changes in my life were about using positive words. And I think, you know, challenges are, uh, John Maxwell said yesterday on a, on a thing, you know, like you have challenges when you're succeeding. He goes, you know, there's no challenge in sliding down a hill. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, acknowledging that, that they're going to, those challenges are going to come. Um, and then, uh, but being public about how you're going to deal with them and always using words that are uplifting and encouraging so that you don't look like, well, this is, this one's going to kill us. You know, um, it's funny. My daughter got married a few years ago and the pastor, he had a, a three point message to her when she got married to her and her a husband, her husband's a general contractor. So this was perfect. He said, find a foundation, build a house there will be storms, <laughs> you know, find a foundation, build a house. There will be storms. And I think, you know, as leaders, uh, you know, I, I wake up in the morning in my prayers, what's going to bite me in the butt today that I don't know about, you know, I want to be prepared, you know, and I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, kind of Pollyanna and think it's just not going to happen, you know? So I I've said before, when you're a difference maker, you know, when you're, when you're making a difference, in people's lives, there will be haters, you know, because you're a disruptor. I mean, if you're making a difference, you're disrupting the order of what, you know, what happened. I mean, when we, we had some issues in 2017, when we became the largest premium hair care company in the world, because that meant somebody else wasn't <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, you know, and then, then we had the attackers. So I think, you know, if you want to be a difference maker and you really want to lead, you have to be ready for storms because they're going to come. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, being being proactive gives us the ability to respond to situations. If we're right. reactive, it gives us the ability to complain about situations and not have them right. So I think being proactive, like you said, is is awesome. Um, last question for you, Stuart. What sure. what are your favorite books that you're reading right now that you would say, hey, you got, you got to go pick this up if you're a leader? 
Uh, well, actually, right now I'm just just finishing this one. It's called Uncommon Ground. Uh, there, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's a great book, and it, it actually has it's a com- it's a compendium of a bunch of different people, uh, writers, coaches, bridge builders, uh, entrepreneurs, talking about you know how to be a Christian in living faithfully in a in a different world. It's sort of a a post COVID uh, kind of book. That that one's really helped me, and the one that really <clears throat> really helped me before this is one called Atomic Habits, and I've actually gone and um, I'm reading it again um, because it, it it it's pretty excellent at <clears throat> creating habits that become like disciplines that become habits that become routine that become practice, um, and then what happens is those little things like like my my hour in the morning. I just don't even think, I don't even think about not having it. Like I can't imagine not doing it is now part of who I am. And I think those habits and those routines and those disciplines have to be not something we do, but something we are right. They have mm-hmm. to be things that are just, just, you know, it's just, you know, like my family knows, you know, sometime between six thirty and eight thirty, they don't, they don't actually text me um, because they know that at that time, that's what I'm doing. That's who I am. Um, and so I think, you know, the transition, the transition atomic habits, great book to help you, uh, kind of figure that out, but I'm really enjoying this uncommon ground right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, and also, uh, just finished, uh, John's new one, change your world actually. Yeah. And that's actually got me thinking about a whole bunch of new things that I want to do in my capacity as a president of money. How do I be a bigger difference maker, you know, and, and maybe not be complacent about, what we've done so far. So, uh, so those, I, I was on vacation last week, so I had a, a great reading week and, um, uh, you know, I had a, had a, I had a couple of John Grisham novels that I read, <laughs> but my morning reads were uncommon ground change your world. And I pulled atomic habits back up. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Those are, I've read atomic habits and I'm going to actually start reading it again here too. And I uh, love those books. Love it <laughs> that, uh, you shared that. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today, Stu. Um, it's Thank been you great. so much for everything that you guys do with my mate. You and Ray are incredible leaders. I know I learn a lot from you. My wife learns a lot from you, and you guys are impacting so many people through, through this business. So thank you guys so much. Thanks a lot, Andrew. It's been a pleasure.